Thank you so much for listening to the hashtag create your earth life podcast with your host, myself, Janessa Staples. And today we have a guest. Her name is Erin. And we discuss fertility, IVF, intrauterine insemination, egg retrieval, and the support of acupuncture through all of this. She has a great story. Um, her story is still being written right now. And she shares a lot of what she's gone through. And I think it can be very helpful for men and women that are going through this process of trying to get pregnant. So I hope you enjoy. So welcome. Thank you. Um, can you introduce yourself? How do yeah. you say your whole name? I know. Um, my name's Erin <laughs> um, Bokeo. So it's my husband's, obviously it's my um, marriage name or whatever it's called. Um, and he, his, the name is Portuguese. His dad is originally from Portugal. Um, but so technically it's pronounced Bulgao, but, um, clearly that wouldn't really go well, go well here. <laughs> um, so we just, I don't know. He's always said Bokeo. So I'm like, okay, so that's how we say it. Awesome. Even though it's clearly not that. Yeah. So how do you say Bokeo? <laughs> so if, yeah, if you're in Portugal, it's Bulgao. So I'm originally from Mexico City, um, and so I'm, you know, bilingual, and we visit down there quite often. Um, he has never left, I mean, never lived anywhere other than San Diego, which is where we live right now. Okay. Awesome. But, yeah. <laughs> All right. So tell me a little bit about your family. Yeah, so um, I have twin girls who are eight and a half, and we had them through our very first IUI back now, nine years ago, I guess, when we first started doing it. Um, and basically, it was just because we wanted to start trying to have kids. And I went into the gynecologist because they hadn't been getting a period for at least three months. And I wanted to see what was going on. And she basically told me I'm not ovulating. So sent me to the San Diego Fertility Center and... Um, we went in and they started me on Clomid and it wasn't strong enough. So then we switched over to men and pure shots and um, did an IUI. And our first one, we ended up getting triplets, actually. Um, and then after about week seven, once we I started bleeding a bunch and that's kind of when we found out it was like week seven or six or seven. That's kind of when we found out that we had the triplets. Obviously, we didn't know right away. Um, and we were advised to get a reduction because of just how, um, you know, how it could be pretty dangerous for me. I'm pretty small to carry triplets um, for the my own health and also for the survival rate of the three of them. So it was a super hard decision because being, well, how old was I, 27 at the time? I mean, you don't even expect to ever have to even do treatments, let alone have to go get a reduction. I didn't even know what that was. Um but we did, and we had to drive up to L.A. to some special clinic that did it, and it was very tra traumatic. Um, and, you know, you're trying to have a baby, and here you are having to have a reduction right away. But um, obviously, we know we did. We made the right decision. I carried my twins to 37 and a half weeks. I, had, I gave birth to, that, birth to them vaginally. Um, 
and everybody came out great. One of them had to stay in the NICU for about 11 days just to grow because they were both super small. Um, but that's it. She didn't have like a breathing tube or anything. And the other one we got to take home right away. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how that all got started. And we definitely thought we were done. And then once they turned six and they were in kindergarten and um, at school all the time, I was just kind of like, oh, I think I need one more. Um, and we thought it would be as easy as it was back when we had them. And here we are almost three years later. So, yeah. Can you explain what IUI is? Yes. Um, So an IUI is um, basically when they stimulate my ovaries with estrogen to be able to create um, larger follicles, larger eggs. And when they see that you have quite a few, although with an IUI, you should only have about, they really now, nowadays only like to see about two strong follicles because they don't like to run the risk of multiples. I mean, I'm ex- definitely exhibiting it for you. Um, so they like to see a couple of large follicles. I, I, to be honest, I don't really know how they didn't see that I clearly had more than, I'm assuming I had more than three large follicles, but anyway, um, And they make these follicles grow to the size of maturity. And when they see that through an ultrasound that you're ready, they give you what's called a trigger shot. Um, That trigger shot is then basically stimulating ovulation. Um, And then it's, I believe, about like a 36-hour period after you trigger that you come into the office and um, or your clinic. And they basically take my husband's sperm or your husband's sperm um, and shoot it up into me with a syringe. <laughs> um, and I lay on the table or on the bed for about 15 minutes and we hope for the best. We wait for two weeks, kind of the same as any other two week wait. Um, your chances are just much higher because they're clearly at least much higher than um, getting pregnant on your own because they know exactly when you're ovulating. Um, they know you have the follicles, the way the sperm is inserted. is just, um, uh, you know, very direct and, and pretty much right next to um, your uterus and close to your ovaries where they're ovulating. So everything is just a little bit more precise. Now, the only thing is that these chances um, are only about 20% of it working. So if you have two working ovaries, they say that you have about 20% chance um, of getting pregnant with an IUI. And an IUI stands for I believe it's intrauterine um, insemination. That is amazing. Yeah. So we got very, very, very lucky because I know so many people try with an IUI and, you know, countless amount of times and it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's, the odds are not great, clearly. Yeah. That's amazing. I didn't know any of that. Oh yeah. That is good information. So it's much different than IVF. It's much different. It only, you know, you're really only stimulating and on medication for about Uh, like two to three weeks. I don't do progesterone. I didn't do estrogen, like none of that, even throughout my pregnancy. Um, Nothing. It was just that. And um, obviously with the added menopure, your lining thickens just because um, it's a lot of added estrogen. But yeah, that's pretty much it. And then once they're in, they're in. And I mean, yeah, we, to be honest, I don't even remember 
I'm assuming there was some period of graduating from the fertility clinic, but because of our reduction and all of that, we saw other doctors. So I'm not really sure. I actually kind of have a foggy memory about that time period, maybe just because it was kind of traumatic, but um, it's also much cheaper. So usually an IUI is ranging from three to $5,000. So it's significantly cheaper, um, which is why a lot of people definitely start out with that route. Um, Most, a lot of doctors will... uh, I shouldn't say suggest it because to be honest, the doctors I'm at now definitely don't suggest it. Um, but that's, I guess, based on my situation. So, um, I think for a lot of people that have never tried any infertility, um, routes, they definitely are more open to starting you out that way, unless you have, you know, a low egg reserve or low AMH, um, or your husband's sperm is very, very low motility, and I shouldn't say husband, I should say partner or anybody that you're getting sperm from, right? It doesn't have to be your husband. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely a much, quote unquote, easier path if it works. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Is it okay if I ask um, the price of IVF or is that different for yeah. everyone? Um, I think there's, you know, a bit of a difference for everyone simply because it also depends. Medications play a, play a big role in the price. So if you have to be on medications for, you know, two weeks longer than the other person, clearly your whole entire round is going to cost more. Um, if you have to be on higher dosages or extra, you know, all of that kind of take plays into um, the complete package. But for the most part, um, we actually, my husband and I were talking about the other day because it's just been crazy because we've done it so many times. Um, but pretty much from the process of starting stems, starting to stimulate your ovaries to the retrieval. Um, and then, you know, all the medication you need for the transfer prep and then through the transfer is about $30,000 where I am. Yeah. And does insurance help with any of that? No, (laughs) The only thing they've ever covered is, and unless, unless they actually don't cover and I just, they're maybe just inexpensive, but the progesterone and oil vials for some reason for me have been pretty, fairly inexpensive. I mean, like they've been like $15 every like couple. So, um, other than that, no, my insurance has not covered anything fertility really related. In fact, when I was visiting my endocrinologist because I see her regularly because I have a thyroid um, issue, she sends me to do blood work. And if they accidentally put on there that it has anything to do with infertility, my insurance will actually not even cover any of my blood work. So we've had to fight that a couple of times. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So a lot of, I heard that Massachusetts actually covers IVF, which is amazing. Um, and I know, some places in Canada do, and I know the UK um, does. I don't know if it, they fully cover it. I, you know, I obviously have not much knowledge about that. I just, from um, speaking with different people that live in different parts of the world, I have, um, I have come across some of that information. Yeah. So hopefully towards the future, it'll start to change. I sure hope so. I know there's some companies that do pay for, um, for IVF, I know my a girlfriend that lives here, she had IVF years ago, um, and her company paid for it. So 
Why? I think it just, yeah. Yeah, it definitely needs to get way more regular, regularized. I just, I think about all those people that, well, I guess like me, we don't really have a choice. Um, it's our only way to have a biological child. But I think about, you know, any gay or lesbian couples, any couples that, um, or a mother that wants to do this, you know, without a partner, um, a woman, I don't know, or even a man that wants to, you know, like, it's just, there's so many different things that, um, different cases that I feel like we really don't have that control of having that ideal family situation and that everybody's healthy and can have the baby, right? I mean, like I said, in my case, it, it just wasn't an option <laughs> to do yeah. it naturally. So it would be nice to have more financial support. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So since you decided, uh, once the girls got old enough and you said, you know, I want another baby, how many times have you done IVFs since you decided you wanted um, to have another baby? So we um, have done four IVF um, egg retrievals. So stimulating your ovaries to taking the eggs out and then sending off, sending them off to get tested. Um, that whole part we've done four times. Um, and then transfers, we've done seven. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a long, long road. Long journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just wondering, what is the process like when they retrieve your eggs? Um, so basically, do you mean leading up or just that actual day? Yeah, that actual day, what okay. happens? Yeah, so we go in um, to the doctor. You've already taken what they call a trigger shot. Again, um, it stimulates ovulation so that they can come in and grab the eggs. And you go in, they say no makeup, nothing that smells strong. Basically, just go in, put your scrubs on. Um, they tell you to have somebody drive you because you do go um, under anesthesia. Um I've been, t I, I've been to two different clinics and for the most part, they're pretty much the same. Um, you go in, they have, you know, a separate area that they do, um, their retrievals in and yeah. And, um, they give you your anesthesia they kind of take your vitals and all of that. And they take you back to the operating room. Um, and then your doctor will actually for me it's actually never been my actual doctor that has retrieved my eggs but that doesn't matter so a doctor will come in and basically pull out whatever eggs they see that are mature enough to be fertilized um so when prior to that you're doing a bunch of different ultrasounds to see um if you have a certain amount of follicles um meaning they'll look at your two ovaries and they'll see like a bunch of dots basically and these dots grow over time um and the way they can tell that you're ready is if these dots are they say between 17 millimeters to 22 is how they like to see them in order for them to be considered mature once they get in there your follicles might have you know more than one egg they might not have any um so they're able to see which ones look like they could be um mature and able to be fertilized they take those out, then you go back, um, I guess, and just take some time to wake up. I usually take, <laughs> I don't know, I end up really enjoying my sleep, so I take kind of a longer time. Um, and then you just basically, it's like an in and out kind of hospital visit, and get dressed, you know, get wheelchaired out. You're obviously still kind of under 
um, some strong anesthesia, but it, it, it wears out by the, you know, by the afternoon, typically they do this, they do their retrievals, I think pretty much any time from like, you know, first thing in the morning to mid afternoon. Um, they do tell you right then and there how many eggs have been retrieved and then they send you off and then you kind of have to wait. So you wait every other day they call you with your egg results, meaning, um, out of those eggs that were mature enough to be fertilized that same day after your retrieval, they'll put in the male sperm and they'll put it in the Petri dish and then hope that, you know, some of these eggs get fertilized. And so they'll call you, um, they do actually call you the next day just to tell you how many were fertilized from that day. They'll call you every other day until day five, um, to tell you how many eggs actually made it all the way to what they call blastocyst stage or day five. So, which is the goal. (laughs) Well, and is that when they transfer or do they freeze them first? So it kind of depends. Um, I've, believe me, I've asked every single question and most of the doctors I've asked have said that it really doesn't, a frozen versus a, they call it a fresh transfer. If you're going to transfer right away, meaning like five days after the retrieval, that's called a fresh transfer. Um, There is no actual studies that show that one is better than the other. They pretty much have the same success rates. Um, However, if you you know, want to get your embryos tested, meaning like further tested, not just seeing if they're a good quality based on their shape and form, but actually if they have all the chromosomes that are necessary, if they have added ones or missing some, you send those by day three, they can kind of start seeing what's forming. They'll biopsy them. And then by day five, they'll freeze them. So they'll send the biopsy off to a separate um, clinic that does this thing, it's called PGS testing. And I'm not exactly sure what that stands for. I did know, but I don't know off the top of my head. Um, And that's where they basically test to make sure that these embryos are normal. Because obviously if you're gonna transfer an embryo that's not normal, um, your chances for miscarriage are much higher. Um, They can also find out the sex of the baby then. Actually, they do. You can choose for them not to tell you. We actually always choose for them not to tell us until, um, you know, I've, I've always found out after a failed transfer just to know, but we choose not to know prior to them um, transferring. So then this whole, that whole process takes about seven to 10 business days, depending on, I guess, who your clinic uses. Um, once you get those results back, you're hoping that you have at least one, right, out of however many you sent. They tend to say that the percentage of, um, Embryos that come back, I guess also depending on your age group, are about, at least for me, they have been about 50% that come back um, normal. A couple of times it's been more, a couple of times it's been less. So it's, you know, I I still think it's kind of just (laughs) a hit or miss. I don't ever, I don't know, the statistics thing and and I have not really worked well together. Um, But yeah, that's the process for that. And then they'll do the transfer. They'll do the transfer, you know, once, once you have, my doctor at least likes to know that we have, you know, the embryos back. So during that time period, what usually happens is you have, I personally have to get back on birth control because I don't have a regular period cycle. So I'll get my period after a retrieval. Um, most people do. And then they'll put me on birth control pills for about 10 days so that I can get another period. Um, in the meantime, we're waiting for the PGS results. 
And then once we get the results back and make sure we actually have a good embryo to transfer, we'll start the um, transfer process. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a lot of very good information. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So how has IVF changed the way you think and the way you live? Because I know you post a lot on Instagram. That's how I found you. And you post a lot of vulnerable, vulnerable and brave information. Like you are so brave. You're so, you're very outspoken and you can, you seem to talk about everything. Um, and sometimes when I read your post, like it's not even something I would have thought about. Obviously it's um, your life, your journey, it's what you're going through. So it's very interesting. I really enjoy reading your post, reading your blog that you have. So how, yeah, you're welcome. How has it changed the way you think and the way you live? So, I mean, to be honest, I didn't share for the first two years because I don't know, there's some type of like shame, unfortunately, that comes with it. Um, You know, everybody tries to have a baby and then they get to wait, you know, however long until they find out and have this really nice announcement and all of that. And unfortunately, when you go through IVF, you don't really have that luxury. Clearly, you know what's going on every single step of the way. Um, so because of that, I chose not to share. I also chose not to share because I definitely felt different. I don't have one single friend that has not been able to get pregnant on their own. Um, you know, I don't have any family members, none of it. So I'm pretty much the only one out of my entire, you know, flock of people that I, that I know, to be honest, not even just close friends. So I felt just different. Um, I started becoming very isolated I would isolate myself. Um, I got super duper depressed after all the losses, um, especially after the miscarriage last year. And I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know how to handle it. Um, And, you know, other than my immediate family, even with them, it was just, it's become, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It still is. It's very hard to not think about it 24 seven. So basically it takes over and has taken over my brain. Um, to the point where I've been feeling not so much anymore, but I was feeling very, very guilty about it because all I was trying to do is just get to that next step, get to the next step, get to the next this or that so that we could get the baby and move on. Um, and I kind of just lost touch with myself, with, you know, everything. And I mean, obviously I was there for my girls, but to be honest, I mentally, I, I know I wasn't there as much as I probably should have been. Um, so it's a really hard thing to balance, especially when you have kids, in my opinion, um, because it's just not, as you know, life is not really about yourself. Um, and unfortunately, this process is, you know, about yourself. There's countless appointments. I mean, you have to go into the office for a visit like every other day, especially when you're trying to stimulate, stimulate your ovaries. So it takes a lot of time, but also just a lot of mental space. Um, We kind of stopped. We didn't stop traveling, but we definitely rearranged travel plans in hopes that we would be pregnant type of thing. So there was a lot of hope that was shattered a lot. Um, We still took vacations. By no means am I saying are we deprived in any way, shape or form. Um, But it was definitely always centered around IVF and it just became so, so draining. So for me, the reason why I decided to share um, was just because I didn't know what to do with all of that anymore. And I had told a few people, but I was finding myself getting really frustrated with the people I told because they weren't there for me the way that I 
expected them to be. And I mean, who am I to tell somebody how to be there for me? Right. I mean, that's kind of silly, but I guess in my mind I had a, I was just expecting people to be a little more sensitive and, you know, this and that. And, and it just wasn't that, I mean, at all. So I thought maybe if I just put it all out there, really, really show how I feel from day to day, it'll give people a sense of like, an understanding for what this whole process really is. And to be honest, selfishly, I was like, maybe it'll just be a good outlet for me um, because I have so much built up. And it turned out to be such a great thing. I mean, I also was hoping to be able to just, you know, even if I could reach out and help one person struggling and going through this, that maybe felt the way I felt for those two years. Um, You know, that was kind of my goal. And to be honest, I just... All of this has far exceeded my expectations. I mean, I have met so many incredible women. I mean, the stories that some of these people are going through, it's just crazy. And and it really makes you realize how common this is. And yet how nobody really opens up about it um, at all. Um, So to me, like, that's kind of, it's, it's definitely, like, I guess I kind of veered off your question, but I've... I've changed a lot even within the two and a half and almost three years of going through it to where, you know, it, it definitely still takes over my life. I'm not going to lie. Um, there's still really bad days, but in sharing, it's definitely helped me kind of let it all out, have people really see what's going on and then be able to kind of come back to my everyday life and not have to like, you know, kind of, I guess, feel sorry for myself. Um, because I also see so much um, pain that others are going through. And, you know, obviously you never want to see other people go through anything horrible, but it just makes you feel less alone. Um, And I think that's what I was searching for. Right. And so looking at your Instagram, so you Mm -hmm. have connected with other people and then you also have helped other people and you like intentionally each week try to help people with your tipful Thursday, which I love. (laughs) I love it. I have gotten a lot of good information from you um, because of my journey through IVF. Obviously, we're on very different journeys, even though we're doing the same thing. But I still um, get that anxiety of like, because I'm a surrogate, so I want to you know, I want to be able to give them a baby and I get anxious of what if I can or what if it doesn't work or, you know, all this. So I'm trying to do everything I can. So reading your Instagram of your tips of drinking pomegranate juice to increase estrogen and eating um, seaweed for your uterine, right? Like those are so such amazing tips. Um, And then you talking about acupuncture. So how has acupuncture helped you with your IVF? Um, so that's been a huge, huge thing. Um, and by the way, you're amazing for what you're doing to help somebody. I mean, it's it's just incredible um, how, I don't even know how you can give yourself just to somebody like that. It's, it's beyond me. So, so much kudos to you. Um, acupuncture, I didn't start until about a year after trying. Um, we tried for a year and we did two, two rounds of, you know, uh, retrievals and transfers and it didn't work. Even I actually even did an IUI again. Um, and then my husband was like, we need to take a break because he was just kind of overwhelmed. And as much as I didn't want to, it was probably one of the best things we ever did. So that whole summer of 2018, we took a break. So it was about three months. And so I decided to 
just kind of fixed everything that probably was out of line. Um, A, because maybe I hadn't paid much attention to it and B, because the hormones just really, really mess up your system. Um, so my brother is actually an MD, but is also, also practices Chinese medicine on once a week. And so he's like, you should really try acupuncture. And, um, he's like, but you know, it's not just a one-time thing. And here I am thinking like, okay, I'll go to acupuncture like the day before my transfer and then this should help. No, it's, it's a process. Um, so, and honestly, I, I think that if somebody tells you otherwise, then they're just trying to take your money because, um, my, the girl I go to is just like, you're legit, like Chinese medicine type of person. <laughs> um, so anyway, I got into that. I found her just through a referral, um, just actually really close to my neighborhood. And I started seeing her once a week and she's like, you know, you're going to have to come in once a week for about at least three months before you start any other drugs again so that I can really regulate your hormones, um, your fertility lines, all of that. And I trusted her and I said, okay. Um, and so I did it. And actually ever since then, it was about I think June of 2018. I've been seeing her once a week. Um, and to be honest, I don't even know what it's doing, but the thing it does the most for me is relax me. Um, I feel just like so much more energized when I come out of there or so much more supported, I should say. So I think overall, it's just a really good support system for when you're going through IVF. Your body's going through so much. You have so many drugs, so many um, and just different foreign things that are going into your body that um, to have that like extra support system is, I think, really important mentally, too, because I know um, that I'm doing something to help myself, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, my acupuncture is amazing. She's helped me get rid of cysts. She's helped me. I actually do believe that my third transfer worked, um, a, a year ago. And that was the first transfer since I had started seeing her. And I strongly believe that, um, she had a lot to do with it. I really do. Um, obviously she's not the only that has made this work or not work because I've had a lot of failed transfers even when I've been seeing her but um just to have her as a support um she's just I don't know she's cured a lot of stuff for me and she's also prescribed me a lot of different Chinese herbs a lot of um just different supplements that maybe you know you don't when you go see your doctor they pretty much in my opinion most fertility centers have a book they follow it um, obviously the better ones are going to test you for different things and make sure they treat you individually, but they still, for the most part, have their certain things they're looking for. And I do believe that everybody needs something a little bit different, whether or not the fertility center sees it or not. Right. Um, and I do think that's what she's done, um, for me. That's amazing. Yeah. I love acupuncture. Yeah. It is such a great support and it's so, it is so nice to just have that time for yourself to relax and it's like for you and it's meant for that to like heal your body and relax your body and it's you don't have to like feel bad about it or it's like I don't know I don't know if you get this way but I get this way of like relaxing sometimes I feel like Mm -hmm. guilty or something but I don't know it's I just I love acupuncture I've gone to it many times and I enjoy it a lot yeah no I feel the same way I take a nap every single time Um, unless I'm like really anxious, but, um, for the most part, I always just fall asleep because I'm like, okay. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I definitely recommend that for people. 
Okay. And do you have any advice for women going through IVF right now? Um, I think the biggest piece of advice is to definitely have a support system. Um, I'm not necessarily saying to throw yourself out there and share because I know it's such a hard thing to do and it doesn't work for everybody. Um, but just to have somebody that you can talk to, um, I actually see a, see a therapist also, um, probably I should see her more than I do, but I, I try to see her like once or twice a month. Um, my husband and I go together, I go separately. She's helped a lot. Um, I think the biggest piece of advice and it's pretty, I don't know, I think everyone says this, but it's true is to be patient. Um, to be honest, I came into IVF very blindly. I thought, okay, we're going to do IVF. I could pick the sex of the baby and we'll have it by, you know, three months from now I'll be pregnant. And it's just so not that. Um, I, sometimes I don't know, I guess if I, if I would have wished that somebody told me that it was going to be way different (laughs) because maybe I would have been scared to do it, but, um, it is what it is. Um, I just think that having an understanding that, um, it's a lot of uh, trial and error. And as much as you hope and think that you know your body and that your doctor knows, it's just everybody is so different that like the tiniest thing that, you know, works for this person doesn't at all mean that it's going to work for you. And I think that's the hardest thing. That was one of the hardest things for me because, you know, I kept seeing success stories or they say, oh yeah, you know, by, by the second round, it works way better. It should be fine. And you know, didn't work for me. And, um, (laughs) it took a lot of tries. Um, so I think patience and just understanding that it's a numbers game. Um, the more you try, the more chances of success you're going to have. I know that sounds kind of not really what people are going to want to hear, but it's just the truth. Um, I know a lot of people that it's worked for them on the first try and they have their babies and it's great. Um, but, There are a lot of us that have gone through it, um, you know, two or more times. And unfortunately, that's just the name of the game. My my doctor best described it as um, before we did our seventh transfer, I was actually really, really on defense because I was just like, how can I do this so many more times? Um, And he said, you know, just think of it as a coin. He's like, you know, you're flipping the coin. And unfortunately, you flipped it. And these past few times, it's just not landed right side up. So try and flip it again. And one of these times it's going to work. And the way he put it and the way he just kind of made it not as intense, kind of like really helped me because I think if you get so, so, so invested and believe me, I have, and I don't really think there's a way not to. But with that said, I think if you get so invested and so committed to this one actually working and then your life's going to end, um, it just makes it that much harder if it doesn't. Um, I think if you think of it as like, okay, we're just going to keep trying. We're going to keep trying. And believe me, I understand there's a lot of reasons why somebody can't keep trying financial reasons. You know, their body's just not doing it. I a hundred percent get it. Um, but I think if you really want something like this, you have to remember that you have to just keep fighting. You have to keep being your own advocate if you don't like a doctor you need to switch doctors like you're not hurting anyone's feelings um just constantly listen to your gut and remember that like it will work if 
you continue to try one way or another, you know, whether it's in your own body or whether it's with a surrogate, whether it's with another egg, there's ways, right? And so I think having an open mind in that way um, helps. I really do. Okay. And do you have advice for husbands, family, friends that are being supportive or trying to support a woman going through IVF? So this has been a tough one for me because I think I set really, I shouldn't say high expectations because there's just my own expectations on people and I shouldn't. Um, I think a lot of people just have no idea what IVF is about. And that was a big reason for me to share. And actually I have gotten a lot of people just saying, wow, thank you. You know, my friend's going through this and I had no idea how it was. Now I can kind of figure out how to support her. Um, So I think really just, um, educating people that, you know, is not your spouse or your significant other, um, is, is a huge, is a huge role. I think that the more they know, the more they can kind of support and understand and, and they might still not be there the way that you want them to be, because to be honest, we all have different days. And there's some days that I want people to call me and ask me how I'm doing. And there's some days that I really don't want to talk about it. Um, but I think just having, having just um, the knowledge about IVF as a person that's not going through it, I think could really, really help out whoever you're trying to support, because I think that um, they'll see that you're trying to really, you know, really, really understand what they're doing and what they're going through. Um, I think a big thing is just to, to check in and to just say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm here for you. I wanted to check in. If there's anything you need, let me know. I think those words are always good because, you know, you're not really pushing one way or the other. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've had an issue with and partly why I didn't share for a while is because people, when I did share, kept asking me, well, when's this, when's that, when's your next test? When's, you know, when do you find out if you're pregnant? And it's a lot of pressure. Um, so I think the least amount of pressure you can put on somebody going through IVF, the better, because we already put so much on ourselves that that added pressure just becomes, um, just really stressful. Um, and I think for your spouse or your partner, um, you know, I think just kind of riding the wave with them. And, um, I do strongly believe that you guys need to be on the same page. Um, for my husband and I, the first year was a little bit more rough because he, he was on, I mean, he was obviously willing to do everything, but he just wasn't as, I shouldn't say focused, but it just wasn't his top priority. And, and I don't think it ever will be because, you know, we're, I'm the one <laughs> going through it and he's kind of just there, um, as a moral support. But I think if you're both really wanting to do this, you have to sit down, talk about, you know, what's going to happen, what's going to be required of, um, the person going through it and just kind of really figure out how you guys can communicate. I think communication is a huge thing through all this. Um, checking in with each other again, um, I think is, is mainly the, I always tell my husband, like, I don't, you don't even need to be at the appointments. Just kind of ask me like how I'm doing or, you know, kind of act like you, you, you care about what's actually going on, even if it's not, you know, my two week wait or something is so intense because, you know, there's so many little moments within the process that I think go overlooked, but for us they're you know, everything's a big deal. Right. Okay. Yeah. And do you have anything 
else you'd like to add? Anything that you've thought of that you're like, oh, I'd like people to hear this? Mm, I mean, we've definitely covered quite a bit. I think for the most part, I just, um, you know, I definitely want to let people know, like, if they need any support, I'm here for sure. Um, But um, I think it's just, I've learned, honestly, the past couple transfers um, to really listen to my gut. I think the first year I kind of just went along with everything the doctor says. I did move doctors and I, then I did get pregnant, but then I had a miscarriage and um, it was a really intense one. So I, looking back, should have asked for a different route of how to, um, you know, handle that miscarriage. And I haven't really spoken up too much. I've obviously trusted, which I do think is a good foundation. I do think you have to trust. I think you have to have hope. Um, I think any advice that you get from people, you have to take with a grain of salt because like I always, always say, everybody is so different. Um, but I also think that asking questions, anything that you have a doubt on, you need to go and ask. And if you don't get the answer that makes you feel okay, you need to go ask for another opinion or you need to switch doctors if you can. Um, and again, I've switched doctors three times. So now I finally feel like I'm definitely where I'm meant to be. Um, and I think that that really, really helps the outcome because I think, I do think it's you know, partly a mental game. I think if you're calm, if you feel like you've done everything in your power, if you feel like you've asked all the questions, I do think that your mind just kind of is more at ease. And I do think that that helps your success rate. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing all this information. You are so brave and I just loved learning all this information. And (laughs) I think it's going to help a lot of people because there are definitely, you know, there, like you said, there are many more people that are going through this and they might feel alone if they haven't, you know, gone online and looked for people's Instagrams or podcasts or whatever. Yeah. So hopefully people will come upon this podcast and feel supported hearing your story. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share too. Absolutely. So <laughs> how can people find you to follow your journey and learn more from you? Yeah, so I am mainly on Instagram. It's um, at my beautiful blunder, blunder with a U. A lot of people say blunder. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then that's pretty much the same handle for my blog. It's um, mybeautifulblunder.com, and there's a link in my Instagram bio. And that's pretty much where I'm at. I try to post um, a new blog every week, just kind of a lengthier, um, getting more in depth in a certain topic. Um, and yeah, I'm just basically on there sharing day to day how I'm navigating. Um, and I do talk about my kids a little bit, but I try not to, you know, make this too much about them. But I do think there's a huge community of secondary infertility that um, that is very difficult. Um, and I think it's a it's a really hard thing to navigate. Um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, well, you have kids. So but it's just it's. It's not like that. (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. And I will be in touch. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the hashtag create your earth life podcast with your host, myself, Janessa Staples and guest Aaron. 
I hope you enjoyed listening. I hope you learned a lot. And if you know anyone that is struggling or could use this information, or if you just enjoyed listening to this podcast, please feel free to share it on your social media, on Instagram, Facebook, send it to your friends and family. And if you would like to contact me or are interested in any other parts of my life, please feel free to find me on Instagram. My handle is at evolving period writer period Janessa, J-E-N-A-S-A. Have a wonderful day. Until next time.